These podcasts have been made possible by funding from Country SA PHN. Welcome to the Mentally Fit EP and Me podcast, a show that connects you with stories of everyday people from across our peninsula. We believe that mental health is everyone's business. We're all about smashing stigmas and raising awareness so that people gain a sense of empowerment to live mentally well. Please note that at times some of our episodes may contain stories that could be deemed confronting. Please read the episode blurb to determine if this episode is right for you. And now, onto the show. Okay, welcome back everyone. Thanks for tuning back in with us where we've got another amazing person to speak to today. But before we get into that, we always like to kick off our podcast with an acknowledgement of country. Today we're here in Tumby Bay, beautiful seaside little town. You might know it from the Kalatumbi. We'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, which is the Bangala people, and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We're really grateful to be here in Tumbi Bay today. This is the first time we've done a podcast here and yeah, it's it's a beautiful day and it's lovely to see the ocean when we first arrived and yeah, we're pretty glad to be out and about and hitting the road which is great. So we have invited our next guest to come and talk to us, Mr Paul Stoddard. Yay! Mr Paul Stoddard. Yeah, that sounds super official doesn't it? (laughs) I love it how you're like, we've invited and then like we've come to your house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've invited ourselves. Welcome to my house. Thank you for having me. It is awesome. You know, when we reached out to you, it was very much our ambition is to get out and talk to as many people as we can and particularly from all over the EP. So you're a very first Tumby Bay person. Wow, special. So I guess the first thing is how on earth did you get here to Tumby Bay? Well, from here, we go back to Darwin. Mm-hmm. Um, my youth, you can probably hear from my accent, I'm not from these parts at all. Um, so I grew up in Kent in the south of England, which is very close to London, only about 30 miles from the centre of London. Yeah. Um, grew up there, got in and out of lots of little bits of mischief and was pretty bad at school and, and got out of school as soon as I could at 16 in those days. But with a bit of a plan, I went to art school and started to be a jeweller, did four years at art school. Ended up at a very, very good, high-quality jewellers in London for 13 years. Mm-hmm. Um, really amazing experience, really, really, really amazing experience, very lucky. Lots of different things go on, I suppose, over those 13 years. Had a marriage, that marriage failed, not in a terrible way, just a parting of the ways, quite amicable, so there was no, no real hard hard things going on there, moved back to Kent for a little while, I was living in London while I was working in London, moved back to Kent for a year, got off at a, got a phone call basically asking me if I would like to work in Australia. (laughs) I'd been on holiday the year before to Australia and it was literally two, I reckon two phone calls, it was crazy when I look back at it now, but one phone call saying I hear you're interested in coming to Australia and I said yes I am, second phone call was how much do you want, I said well this is much I earn at the moment and they said we can't pay you that much. We can pay you this much. And I said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And they booked us flights and I moved to Australia on a year's contract. And Was that as a jeweller? As a jeweller, yep. And just, I shouldn't say just, but working on the bench. Again, an amazing experience for a really huge pearling company, pretty much the biggest in the world. They are the biggest in the world. So again, kind of luxury goods, high-end experience, really cool. Got offered the job as a workshop manager, production manager after a couple of years. Did that for six years, I think. 
very, very busy, long hours, very stressful, kind of run myself into the ground a little bit. And the quick story is, had a very bad day. One of the kids was sick. So, sorry, my wife was sick. One of the kids was also sick. The other kid had to go to school. So I took the kids to school, came back and went, right, I'm going to work now. And my wife said, no, Paul, I'm sick. I need help with the kids. And I did the, do you understand how busy I am? And kind of, mm-hmm. to my embarrassment, stormed out the door and got halfway down the stairs and went, oh, Paul, come on. And went back, phoned my boss, I'm having a day off, and sat down and looked at the computers and found Tumby Bay. <laughs> oh, this is, I'm, I'm not even joking, this yeah, is how wow. the day went. I was look, started looking for places that we could move to because I knew if I was leaving my job in Darwin, we were leaving Darwin yeah. because we wouldn't be able to afford to live there. Had a quick look at Queensland. We'd been down to my wife's pa's 80th in Adelaide and heard about this Tumby Bay, so I had a quick look. Four o'clock in the afternoon comes around and my wife comes out of the bedroom to me saying, would you like to buy an olive grove in Tumby Bay? <laughs> to which she said no. And <coughs> so we didn't get the olive grove, but I showed her another house which actually ended up being the house that we moved into. and So not this one we're in now? No, this is the second house in Tumby. Yeah. She says the look of kind of relaxation on my face told her that, that was what we needed to do. So she phoned the real estate agent on the Wednesday. I flew down on the Saturday. Whoa. Put an offer on the house on a Tuesday. Whoa. Absolutely no plan. Ended up with like a million-dollar mortgage for... <laughs> for nearly six months actually which was a bit scary while we worked out what we were actually going to do and Mm. then just came here and for a change of life more time with the family a lot less money and yeah that's a that's like the short story but yeah I've probably been depressed for about two years before that did you not recognize that in yourself until you had that day no look we'd had we'd had lots of conversations about it I was honestly I'd I would sleep on the couch most nights because I couldn't sleep. If it was quiet, I'd have to sleep with the TV on. And mm-hmm. was probably living off of three or four hours a night, like, for years. Like, yeah. I'm talking probably three or four years. My wife kept telling me I was depressed. I was saying, no, I'm not. It's just my job. I just can't. It's too busy, too much work and lots of excuses. And probably still never, well, not probably, didn't really admit that that was a problem until I came down here, I think. And then it still took me probably nearly a year to sort my stuff out. Thing, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of admitting that that was what was wrong and worked on it from there. But yeah, it was a crazy. Seems even when I tell the story <laughs> now, it seems so ridiculous when you say it but out loud. <laughs> yeah, but it was kind of it was the same theory. It was the same theory as when I left the UK. It was like, well, we'll just make it work. Yeah, it worked. And it worked when I left the UK, and this has worked. Yeah, so it was. Uh, but yeah, a bit crazy. I understand that. <laughs> and it's interesting that something that day got you on your values Ooh. scale, and you yep. went, you know what? My family and, you know, my peace is a lot more important than my crazy job. But, you know, it's lucky in a way that that's all it took, you know, that it wasn't bigger than that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I really loved my job. It was an amazing job. It really was an amazing job and it took me all over the world and it was very well paid and the rewards were there and the company in many ways really looked after me and were really good. But they, for that, they expected a lot. And I did, I guess the kind of person I am, I gave a lot. You know, if I'm going to do something, I try and do it to the best of my abilities. And probably worked a bit too hard at that. And, yeah, just got myself in this frame of mind where it wasn't me, it was everything else. And basically just ran myself into the ground, I think, is the, the main story. And I think it uh, makes me very aware to not get myself too tired and too 
wound up now, I think. Yeah. I think it's tricky as well when you do really like your job. Mm. Yeah. Because we've spoken to other people before where their job has kind of been their demise of their mental health, yes. but they just really actually don't enjoy their job. No. And so the reason they don't leave is because they're concerned about that flow on of, you know, not having money or not finding another job. But it must add another layer when you actually do like your job, but it's still mm. your job that's affecting your mental health. Yeah, and, and it's that, you know, I, at the time I didn't know anything else. I'd left school at 16 and how old was I when we left? In my early 40s. Yeah, so early 40s. So I, I'd never done anything else. All I'd ever done was made jewellery or, or worked at making jewellery. So I didn't, it was pretty scary. And I, I, I came here, we, had a, we did pretty well on the house up there. So we had a bit of a buffer. But that went in that first year of me trying to sort my shit out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we then came under a bit of pressure. I'm very lucky I've got a wife that is probably too supportive <laughs> and lets me kind of do not whatever I want to do, but she knows what's good for me and she knows that I know what's good for me. And good or bad, I don't really worry about money side of things anymore. Probably bad if you're my wife, but <laughs> for me, I, I almost can't. And I just kind of do things that hope make me okay which then obviously makes my family okay as well you know if everybody's happy in the family then it's a happy family yeah, it's like yeah. those flow-on effects right so you can be working yourself into the ground and bringing home all the money in the world mm. but if there's no balance and your family doesn't get to see you or when they do it's not enjoyable for whatever reason because no. you're tired or stressed or whatever that is yeah it, and it wasn't enjoyable for i know it wouldn't have been enjoyable for them it's funny and i think it's you know i guess like anything you look back but when i first started working in london i was traveling for an hour and a half each way every day sitting on a train but which sounds not fun but it gives you an hour and a half to get rid of mm-hmm. your stuff from work as well, you know, or have a sleep or read a book or whatever it is. And then fast forward, I'm in Darwin and I jump on my scooter and I'm home in three minutes <laughs> and I haven't got rid of that yeah. crap from the yeah. day, which is, I guess, now why I still love cooking because I, I worked out there if I just walked in and everybody just left me alone. I went in the kitchen and I cooked dinner and give me half an hour, I'll cook tea, I'll sit down, I'll be okay. And, you know, that was kind of the, the routine we had was I would, it didn't matter what time I came home. I might not be home till 7, 7.30, but I cooked tea and everyone left me alone for a bit and then I was fine, get the stuff from the day gone. But, yeah, I, I, that was really significant for me, mm. that not having that enough separation between leaving work and getting home from work. And that. I wonder how many blokes there are out there that are listening to this and girls, I suppose, as well, but to leave work not having that space or not being able to have that time before you walk into the door and what are you about to step into? Mm. I've actually never really considered that, but that's a bit enlightening oh, for you know, me. And yeah. it's, it's funny because I can still remember when I was, um, and I'm going to use the word just, and I don't mean it like that, but I can't <laughs> think of a different way. When I was just a jeweller at that job, I can remember I used to laugh about it. Everyone else used to get so stressed out. It was quite a stressful environment. And yeah, we had, it wasn't always a great environment in the workshop at that point. And Everybody else was so stressed out about it, and I'd be laughing at them, going, "What are you like? There's nothing to worry about here. We just we do our jobs and we go home." And I'd leave there at five and be home by three minutes past five. And by the time I'd got half up the hill, all the anything from the day had gone. And it was only that kind of extra responsibility, and it was the pressure I was putting myself on mm. as much as anything. But yeah, I think you, you do. You need to. We all know you need to have a release. You need to have time to to get rid of that stuff, mm. or you do take it out on the wrong people. Mm. Yeah, because I've been known to like leave work 
and then drive home and open up the laptop and send that email that was playing on my mind while I was driving home. And while I send that email, I'll just quickly do this and then I'll do that and the kids are so excited to see you because I haven't seen you all day but you're fending them off. I just got to quickly do this, quickly do this and then there goes 40 minutes, an hour or whatever. And And there's your evening. You're right. It's Mm. so important to just be able to disconnect from work and be present. Oh, yeah, look, on, honestly, and I think it's it's a really easy thing to say and it doesn't suit everybody, I know that, but for me, the money side of things, well, I <laughs> I literally earn about a fifth of what I used to earn in Darwin and I'm more than five times happier, mm. like really honestly. I'm not always happy every day, still mm. having the times when I'm not, but yeah, it, uh, it made me realise it's not about the money, it's not, you can't buy the other stuff and mm. it's quickly gone. Yeah, you know. no money, no problems. Yep. Pretty much. That's what they say. Yeah, and, you know, we only have so many hours in the day. We don't want to mm. spend it, you know, stressing and worrying about everything. No, we try not to. We have easier to worry about some things. Easier but said yeah, than done, yeah. It's, uh, it's picking the right things to worry about, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I caught up with my grandpa the other day. He's 95 and he said the key is to just not worry. Mm. Easier said than done. Yeah. But I was like, oh, isn't it? Isn't that, grandpa is it? said that. Yeah. Then um, I'll just keep that in my mind. Yeah. And remember that when I am worried about something that's probably not worth worrying about, don't worry. Yeah. But it's that whole thing of going back to, do I ha- even have any control over what I'm worrying about? And I yeah. think that's a big thing is that quite <coughs> often people will be worrying about something that they can't do anything about. Oh. And until this thing happens, we can't even make that decision anyway. So how about we just let it go? Mm. Well, I mean, your grandpa and I could be good friends mm. because that's how I feel about life and... There's no point in worrying about things that, you know, I can't do anything about. But when it legit needs time, you know, you have to also be wise enough and and whatever to give those things the time when they, you know, really need it at that moment. But, yeah, I think we talk to a lot of people that, you know, talk about as a kid I worried about all this stuff and as a kid, you know, I had these high levels of anxiety and stuff like that. And I think how much of that is that worry you know, that they've got so little that they worry about this and worry about that and how much has that language changed a little bit? Like now we say to children, oh, you look anxious, or, mm. you know, whereas before we were, we were probably told as kids you look worried about something. Yep. So, you know, I think a lot of the language has changed around that as well and, and how kids see the world and how much they understand with, you know, I guess more access to... Yeah, I think we're, we're just... I think. I don't think we're as completely aware as we need to be, but I think as a world, but mm. I think we're really getting there now. I think, again, kind of knowing that this was coming up, it kind of makes you think about things a bit and I've worked it out years ago, but I realise now that I was massively anxious as a child. Mm. From, I was telling the kid the other day, from the age of probably eight to ten, I used to have to get physically dragged to school. Mm. Almost every day I would get physically dragged into school, sat down in the headmaster's office for the first 15 minutes of the day, and then get on with my day. But that was where it started and end. That mm. was the support was just, well, just go, just get there. And there was no support beyond that. Mm. And I think now we we do recognise that in kids especially a bit more. And I think that's a really good thing. And But that extended through my life for a mm. long time, I think. I don't think I truly was, doesn't sound right, I suppose, because I say I'm truly happy when I moved to Australia. But when I moved to Australia, I really felt like it. I guess looking back, it was a new start. Mm-hmm. I could be the person I wanted to be. I think UK is a very aggressive society in general. You kind of there's not much space. There's you know, you've got 
got to fight to get on the tube train every mm, day. You've yep. got to all of those things. You've got to stand your ground. You've kind of do have to be a little bit aggressive to 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 survive really and I, I got ripped off in London yeah. like the lady I think I bought a pie and it ended up costing me like I don't know a lot of money like 12 pound or something <laughs> and I was like um no you didn't give me the change and she goes next yeah and I was like uh and she was like pushing me out the way I was yeah. like oh my pie cost me <laughs> a lot of money 36 dollars <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, convert that to Aussie dollars at the time. <laughs> so yeah, no, I think I, I think it's great that we do recognise that now. I think, but I think yeah, that was good. I was lucky. I got that kind of new start, and I could, you know, people that would have known the more anxious Paul weren't around, so I could be a, you know, kind of be the person I did want to be, and not have to pretend to be aggressive and that kind of English punchiness that we all kind of have to have to get on so did you feel anxious about taking that risk because like it's interesting because you're a bit of a risk taker obviously but you've also got that yeah look I think I I think my wife laughs at me when I say it but I really do genuinely believe it I'm I'm one of those people that I get really anxious about the most ridiculous things Mm. throw a massive disaster in front of me and I actually I'm fine I'll deal with that something big I'm actually okay with it's that day-to-day every day dealing with minor things that yep. I, that if they do get me down is usually the things that get me down you know someone say the wrong thing or not the wrong thing even but someone say something I misinterpret that wrong that might set me off for you know feel a bit funny for a couple of hours mulling it over and thinking oh what did they mean and but you know major things that happen in life I tend to be pretty good with and I kind of do go through with that attitude and I'll just give it a go and see what happens not always but it's interesting, you know, because it's. I guess that's the term anxiety disorder. Mm. I guess it kind of goes along those lines, doesn't it? Like when you are throwing something to be anxious about, it's like I'm okay because I do feel anxious, but this is normal. But then when it's unexplained things, anxiety, yeah, almost, like yeah. why am I feeling anxious? I don't know, yeah. or it's over the top where yeah. it affects your life and you're yeah. being dragged to school. Yeah, yeah that's think, when you know it's a. And problem. I think kids now we can sit there and like have those conversations at school now it's like everyone gets anxious I think you sit there and probably more so when I was young because no one used to speak about it but why is this happening why do I feel like this and you don't know why you feel like it but I think now we are a bit more aware and we do know that everyone to different degrees gets anxious and there's a good reasons why we have that Mm. you know to self-preservation and all those things but yeah it's a horrible thing anxiety Mm. I always try and describe that for me how that's felt was more like a um that whole fight or flight response. Yep. So That's you know, my go-to mm, explanation of it as well. Yeah. yeah. There's like, a reason why we've got it. Yeah, yeah, and it's like back in caveman days, mm. it was to tell us we were in danger or yeah. like something was about to kill us. Mm. Whereas now our bodies are telling us, you know, if I step into that room, something really bad's going to happen, or you know, it's just you get the same adrenaline dump, mm, but yeah. without the. Without to, the actual... Yeah, you don't need to go on the 2K run to get away from a dinosaur. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like our brain has changed a little bit. Mm. Like something's happened in there where yeah. we go from, okay, it's just a conversation in that room, it's going to be okay, to, uh-oh, something's wrong. Mm. You know, what are they going to talk to me about? I feel like a lot of that has to do with our self-talk as well and, and, you know, how we choose to talk to ourselves when we're in those moments and I wondered if you could speak to that a little bit, you know, when those stuff does happen like that or did in the past, you know, what your self-talk was like? Uh, in the past it would have almost stopped me doing things, for sure. I think I don't let it do that now. 
I think a lot of people would actually probably be quite surprised to know that I get anxious, that I've been depressed, do still get depressed occasionally, you know, like it's not a, hasn't gone away completely. I think the self-talk is huge. I think in my, one of my current roles with Youth Opportunities, which I think you guys know a bit, a lot of it is around self-talk and using mantras and all of those kind of things and, you know, it's that looking for positives, gratitude, all of those things, just, you know, giving yourself the good things and not the not the bad things all the time. But, yeah, I love those, we call them brain cell meetings where you just kind of have a chat with yourself. What's the worst <laughs> thing that's going to happen? Or what's a different way I can frame this, you know? It's, it's I'm thinking about this, but is there another way I can look at it and that's a bit more positive or... And really when it comes down to it, just do it. Mm. Just have a go. Yeah. You know, a lot of the time, not for yeah. everything, but a lot of the time just, you know, push yourself just a little bit beyond your, your comfort zone. It does get easier. It's, uh, yeah, the more the more, the more positive conversations you have in your head, the easier everything gets, I think, mm. for me personally. And I think that's a, a big part of the youth ops is that in the, the group stuff we do is, is a lot about that. And then we, we go on one-on-one things and that we might give them little kind of tests to do through the week that they go away and come back and, you know, it might be, you know, talk about social anxiety and things like that. It might literally be go and say hello to three people in the street mm-hmm. as you're walking down the street. Like, it doesn't doesn't have to be, you don't have to throw yourself in at the deep end and go and, you know, have yeah. massive long conversations with people. Just say hello to someone. Yeah. Because what's going to happen is someone's going to say hello back 99.9% of the time. You know, nothing bad's going to happen. Something nice is going to happen. Someone's going to smile at you and say hello. And I think it's just breaking that cycle of being scared of, yeah. or anxious of almost everything. Yeah. To just realizing almost like a little bit of exposure therapy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It is. You know, yeah. it's that, and you know, there's a lot of a lot of that stuff is the stuff that we use is based in the CBT and yep. that sort yep. of area as well. And yeah, mantras, diarising, you mm-hmm. know, journalising, all of those things. Looking at the things that do set you off a bit, and should they? Yeah, it's, it's not. A, it's a really really good process to go through. I think to look at the things in your life that, that do maybe make you a bit anxious, and whether they whether they do need to a lot of the time. I, we At school, we use the Resilience Project. I love the Resilience Project yeah. at the moment. Like such a, yeah. actually such a simple, simple concept. Yeah. And yeah, journalising, just gratitude. Yeah. Be grateful for things. Yeah. I completely agree. I love Positive all that. mindset. Love the Resilience Project. Yes, and, it's so um, good. I was just going to say before when you guys were talking about anxiety and the fight and flight mm. mode, the Imperfects podcast, which is one of my favourites, which is with Hugh from the yes. Resilience Project. They've got a um, doctor on this season. She's a psychologist and they call them Emisodes. <laughs> We've got our own Emma here for the Emisodes. <laughs> And um, she explained, like, the way the chemical reaction Mm. happens. And I found that really interesting. And she said that if you end up going to, like, a full anxiety attack, what often happens is you get these really short breaths, Mm. which then, you know, throws out all your calm vibes. She obviously said it in a lot more scientific way. But what you actually need to do is just be breathing out because we tend to breathe in. And it was really interesting because since I listened to that, any time that I feel that my breathing has gotten short, I just stop and I breathe out a couple of times and it's just like this reset. So I highly recommend if anyone's ever feeling like they're going to go into, like step into that room that Emma was just talking about, do a couple of breaths out. People say, take some deep breaths. Well, maybe don't take them in. Maybe yeah. just try a couple out. Oh, yeah. But I love breathing and the whole, you know, Me the too. deep breaths, yeah. all yeah. that kind of stuff. But 
that's a really simple way to give it a go and um, just see if that helps you. But the other option is they talk about, say, three seconds in, four out. Mm. So just focusing on that out breath. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. You've just reminded me. Like I do a lot of mindfulness now as well, a lot of meditation, a lot of breathing, things like that, especially when I'm, I might wake up in the morning and just feel oh, not really feeling great and spend 10 minutes doing some meditation. But it, you've just reminded me, I'm going back a long time now, but probably... 18, 19 years old, doctor put me on a course of like Sudafed for like a month because I was having breathing difficulties. Oh, yep. And I 100% know now that that was basically like panic attacks, really. I was just struggling for breath all the time. I, and I, But if I was laying in bed, I used to have, and I just did this naturally and worked this out for myself, I used to think of something that must have made me feel happy and relax me a bit. And I, I can still go through the same thing now. And it's a, I'm a big West Ham supporter, so soccer in the UK. <laughs> And it's a goal that I can remember. It's a favourite goal and it was like the goalkeeper kicked it out. So-and-so put it on their chest, went on to the next person. They took it with their head, kicked it. Amazing, really amazing goal. And I just keep going through that in my head, like reimagining that, which, you know, this is 30 years ago. Yeah. And so I was doing mindfulness naturally was, you know, kind of looking for positives naturally, breathing properly, you know. And it was – but. At the time, I was told I had Sudafed for mm. congestion and I was having panic attacks. Yeah. <laughs> it seems bizarre that no one picked that up. Yeah. You know? But yeah, whatever works. Yeah, I still use that occasionally. I yeah. love that you shared yeah. that actually. Because yeah. I think, is you know what, that's, but isn't that why you do this? You yes, know? So that, absolutely. So that people do realise that it's actually not as unusual and as you think it is. And, and there are pretty simple ways of yeah. kind of helping yourself yeah. with it as well, you know? Absolutely. And I think the. If someone out there is listening and relates to what you're talking about, which we all do, that will help them because that's one extra thing that they've maybe not thought of. Mm. Oh, perhaps I could try that. I noticed when I started teaching meditation that a lot of people breathe into their chest. Not their belly. They don't go (laughs) deep and when you become quite conscious of that. So there'll be times in my day where I just stop Mm. and I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm breathing deeply. And that has a big part to play. Like your body feels tense, you feel tight, mm. you lifted, your shoulders are lifted up, you know, you've been on your computer for three or four hours and you've got a deadline. But your whole physiology is tense yeah. and it, it's not calm and it's not relaxed. Right. So the power that our brain has to be able to say, hang on a minute, like if I just do the breath like what Lane was talking about and do that breath out and – know where does that go into my body and how does that feel and you know you'd start to notice that your shoulders begin to relax and you know the rest of your body starts to follow so if our brain is telling us tense tight you know can't breathe properly and the physiology is like it's going to follow so if we can do the opposite sort of say to ourselves you know like you said before the pep talk and Mm. i can do this i can get through this okay take that breath let's see what happens and yeah, who knows? The brain cell meeting. I just like yeah, picture, yeah, look, picture them all in there like, yeah, yeah. all right, guys, I mean, have uh, a chat. And, you know, even those, you know, people go, oh, what's, you that, know, what's that cartoon? We all talk to ourselves in our heads, don't we, you know? We yeah. all have those conversations in don't our heads. Don't you remember it's that animated a, cartoon? It's like Inside Out and there's like oh, a, yeah. the, it, the everyone's emoji. got their own team that's inside oh, okay. your brain yeah. and one's, one controls happiness and one controls anger and one yeah. controls, yeah, yeah, joy. We've all got those. Yeah, it's yeah. funny to, on tricks for getting over things but I, another thing I can remember someone told me I was having trouble getting to sleep at night and this is when I was a, a kid and I just said oh if there's a noise annoying you like concentrate on the noise 
Yeah. Don't get annoyed by the noise. Just concentrate on the noise. Again, it works. And again, it's that it's meditation. Like mm. really, it's just you're just meditating. You're just mindfulness. It's yep. giving your brain a break from the other stuff. And it's I find it. I love all the, the fact that now I can put names to it, but. 30 years ago, if, some, if someone had said to someone 30 years ago, why don't you meditate to, <laughs> to try and get to sleep? Probably laughed and sworn at them and stayed awake, <laughs> all, stayed awake all night. And <laughs> but, you know, I think it's really cool that there's, uh, there is a bit more awareness now. A couple of things you just said as well I think is really important is meditation, and I, I spoke about this with Nissa in one of our other mm. podcasts, it's not about sitting there cross-legged uh, and, you know, holding your fingers and, yeah. and making the om noise. It's... Thinking about the soccer mm. goal. Yeah. It's, you know, going for a walk and looking. Something I love to do is look at all the different textures. You know, oh, you know, that's soft. That's, you know, smooth. The different colour hues. Like everyone is so different. It could be laying in your bed listening to music. It could be making music. Yeah. Whatever. And I think that's what that's where the magic lies when you work yeah. out what it is that meditation is for you. Mm. Yeah, and I think that the more you practice, the better you get at it, all of those things. I love, I actually did this last time I went to Adelaide, but I was mindful driving, you know, just concentrate on one thing that you do, like concentrate on the lines in the middle of the road, but, you know, whatever it is, just, you know, give your brain a break from everything else. You know, it's really, think, They call it like the monkey chatter. Yeah. So it's like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one minute you're thinking about what am I going to cook for tea and the next minute you're thinking about, you know, something what that happened last yeah, week. Or what you've got to do at work or what you've got to do to work yeah. tomorrow or... So know. actually being able to switch that off, even if yeah. it's just for a short period of time mm. and give yourself this mental space to just be able to breathe and to yeah. have a bit of room in there. I spoke to a bloke, uh, this going back a few years ago, and he really wanted to learn some meditation techniques to help with something that he had going on at the time. And I said to him, guaranteed you're already doing it. We yep. just have to find what it is and then introduce that a little bit more to your day. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, have you ever had that experience of just being lost in something? Like it just takes your whole focus and attention that you just lose yourself mm. in that moment. And, you know, for some people that can be mowing their lawns. Like they just get lost in that moment of just being alone and, you know, without the thoughts. And he said to me, oh, I've always loved puzzles. Oh, yeah. And that's where I switch off is when I yeah. do my puzzles and I'm like, there you go. Puzzles are awesome. Yep. There's your thing. There's yeah. your mindfulness, yeah. 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 So like being able to recognise that for what it is and the impact that it, it has on your body, but starting to think more broadly, what else do I do in my day? That actually gives me that. And, you know, it doesn't have to be that you sit down and do an, a puzzle for an hour. Oh, no. There might be little things that you can bring into your day that give you that just for that little snippet and that might be enough to kind of give you that space. A little reset. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah two or three minutes. Yeah. No, I, I think for me, mindfulness, and I think for me that came through reading the Resilience Project, I think, a lot of that stuff. But I think that that's made a huge difference to me, just, mm. just knowing that you can just stop for a bit. And not for, as you say, not for long. And you, you can do it anywhere because it doesn't, you're not sitting cross-legged yeah. <laughs> with, your, with your upturned hands or whatever. Yeah. And it, it, it is, you can just go and sit quietly somewhere for five minutes or go for a walk or whatever it is, as long as you're kind of flicking that switch in your brain a bit that's stopping you thinking about the bits that are, are worrying you. It's a quite an easy skill to, to learn, I think, if you, if you do give it a bit of a go. I don't think it's a particularly hard skill. It just takes a bit of practice. I think also what you said before, gratitude. Mm. 
often when people think of gratitude, you know, if you haven't been practising it for a while, you think of big things mm. like I, I'm so grateful because I've got, you know, blah, blah, blah. Once I'd been doing it for a really long time, it was like I am so grateful that I have shoes that fit me. You know, like I am yep. grateful for legs that carry me. Because if you've ever had like, well, probably a lot of people have had COVID recently, possibly. And, you know, it's like, remember life before I had a cough or a sore throat or a, <laughs> a snotty nose? Like, how good was life then? You know, so just I am grateful that I don't have a snotty nose. No. You know, <laughs> Just simple, simple yep. things that actually are really quite life changing if you stop and think yeah. about how handy it is. To have a nose that breathes, yeah, and smells. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, I love that. We uh, kids at school now. When I'm when I'm talking to kids at school, quite often in my room, I've just got up on the wall. We kind of before they leave the room, always the same three questions, and it's always three things that have gone well, someone you're grateful for, and what are you looking forward to, and the uh, same thing. Don't sit there and overthink it. It can mm. be like, yeah, mum cooked really nice tea last night. It doesn't have to be. Some people don't get that. Yeah, but it's just it doesn't have to be really amazing things. It doesn't have to be that we've got a big flash new car. It can mm. be some got feet. I've got feet yeah. get me to places and things like that. But yeah, I think it's a the brain's an amazing thing in terms of you can use it to almost trick yourself better a bit. It's you know we, we again do a bit of that in the youth arts with the neural pathways and it's they used to think that your brain couldn't stop learning as an adolescent and now we know it goes on for quite a lot longer than that yeah. and it is possible to to change habits that you don't even realise you have. And, and pathways. And yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's amazing that we can do that, I think. I feel like when you said that, fake it till you make it, it's kind yep. of like... 100%, yeah. It's one of those, I don't know, is it underrated? I don't know, but there's so many times when you go into a room and perhaps have to talk to people and maybe mm. you don't have confidence or maybe whatever it is, but if you can tell yourself... You've got this. Yep. Yeah. You just got to get through this, or yeah. fake it till you make it. Whatever that phrase is for you, it is pretty powerful. Mm. Smiling. Yeah. Just you know, we know. So there's science behind it. You, you smile, and it makes you feel better, even if you don't feel like smiling. You know. Well, and it's contagious because we're it's all smiling. Yeah, we're all smiling. <laughs> but I think you just again, you just reminded. Me, I think we were talking before we came on about the all the connections with the previous podcast that I've been listening to and mm. I think it, you're just saying about walking into a room and faking it till you make it and I think the one that certainly the first two or three episodes I listened to um imposter syndrome came up a lot yeah, yeah. and I think that again I've definitely had that my whole life you know yeah. I think as a oh, me too as a jeweler that is now I can confidently say I'm a very very good jeweler I've worked at a very very high level but never ever felt like I kind of deserved to be there I think Having slowly changing career at the moment, I'm going through that quite a bit. At the yeah. <laughs> that really, do I? You know, I think it's mm. tricky when you're it's in a role like that because you've got clients and clients have expectations. Mm. So you're constantly meeting someone's yeah. expectations. So yeah. that's a lot of pressure on you. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's it's but you can that fake it till you make it. I think I'm. I don't want to tell anyone I'm faking it at the moment. <laughs> I'm not. But in your head sometimes I think you have to tell yourself yeah it's absolutely. not it's not about other people pretending no. it's just about you actually convincing yourself that you can do yeah. what you are doing yeah what you are actually doing anyway mm-hmm. but almost your head's telling you you can't then you can the other um, thing is that saying um 
you know, that love you give to everyone else, give some to yourself. Oh. And I think, like, you would never go over to another jeweler's bench and be like, well, I don't know, I assume you probably wouldn't, but, like, um, you know, that is terrible. Or, you know, we don't generally look at someone else and think, oh, my gosh, yeah. we're always complimenting other people, encouraging other people, and then our internals are, like, <laughs> smashing ourselves, like, it's like you just give it all away to everyone else, but you do have to give it to yourself. Yep, I think, it, and again, I think it's funny. I, I was, um, you take back the, you know, going back to being a jeweler when I've been training people in the past. Said, oh, you know, there's all these good jewelers in the workshop, and I, I'm not, and I'm like, all they're doing is covering up their mistakes better than you are at the moment. Like, they don't not make mistakes. They're not that perfect piece of jewelry you see at the end. It's mm. not hasn't been completely trouble free. It hasn't. They just don't have to ask how to fix it. They just got that bit more confidence. Just go right. I've made this mistake. I'm gonna and it's. I think you know that can kind of be a bit of a. And we're kind of throwing around a whole load of analogies and stuff at the moment. Oh, we but are, yeah. I think it is a bit of an analogy for life. You know, you, yeah. you don't. You know, no one goes through life without making mistakes. No one goes through life without feeling learn. sad from time to time. You know, but mm. it's yeah, it is. It's how you learn. It's how you how you come back from it. And yeah. Yeah. So you were saying before that you have experienced depression. Yeah. When you did go through. Was it a period? Is that what you would say? Like, Yeah, look, I think, um, again, I'm so much more aware now than I was previously. I think I've had a fair few episodes through my life yeah. um, that I only really acknowledged 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, so I can look back now and go, oh, yeah. And it's like the panic attacks. I look back now and go, that was a bloody panic attack. Yeah. You know, I had all these weird things going on. These were panic attacks. And I think I can look back and definitely look at one period of my life, previous life in the UK, where I felt very depressed and down. It's only in the last 10 years I've started dealing with that. I think I'd, I, I've i never, and I'm glad to say, I've never had any horrific trauma in my life. I've never, I, don't, I think mine is almost certainly a fair bit of my own self-talk a bit sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm just much more aware of that now. I will probably go on and off with having that, but I'm very aware of my own feelings now. Very, I'm like very aware of when I'm not great and when I am and... Um, I don't run around telling everybody, but mm. I'm pretty good at faking it yeah. a lot of the time, you know. I think which anyone that's been through that always is. I don't let it affect anything in my, you know, my work life and things mm. like that. I always just carry on. I might come home and collapse afterwards, but, you know, I'll get yeah. through the day um, like most yeah. people do. That was going to um, be my question. Like, yeah. you know, when you were in these periods, were you still, like, very high-functioning, you know, well, or yeah, were you I don't know if high-functioning, but, I was, yeah. you know, I was getting through stuff I probably wasn't functioning as well as I would I think the the early days here after we moved when I I kind of really had run myself into the ground mentally and physically really I think I had to be a bit more aware of it then and have acted on it a bit more then and and spoken to people but I I have got close friends that if they say how are you going Paul I'm honest enough to go yeah you know what I'm not feeling that that great at the moment and they'll go oh, I didn't think so we could kind of tell so people that are close to me can tell when I'm not feeling great, but I'm pretty good at knowing what I need to do to, to get over that, and it might take a you know, week or two, but I usually get it back in the end. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, I think it's doing that, it's that self-care, you yeah. know, really. It's just looking after yourself, not having some better sleep, Yeah, better Those food. Those exercise is the one I haven't got back into. My exercise is massive for me. I've, my wife will literally just go, Paul, you need to start going to the gym again. <laughs> Please go to the gym. And uh, But and, and I, I'm missing that at the moment. 
probably putting my winter coat on a bit and getting a few <laughs> extra kilos to keep warm. But um, I need to get back into exercise a bit at the moment. Not that I'm in a particularly bad place right now, but I, I, I do always feel better mentally when I'm exercising a lot. But yeah, I, I have hobbies and plans and like to I like set myself goals, you know, um, whatever weird one that, that may be. I'm doing a lot of gardening at the moment. Still love cooking. I think cooking's a really huge release for me. But yeah, just making sure you're doing the things that, that you like doing. Mm. Yeah, does mean I have to have some fairly that patient jewelry customers. <laughs> we um did a whole campaign on that. Yeah, yeah, like the men's campaign was very much about what it like. You're not focusing on what bring what brings you down and nah. how do you get through times mm. when you're down. It was very much what brings you joy and yeah. how do you stay well. It's by doing things yeah. that bring you joy. And I think I don't want like you don't want to oversimplify it because it's not. And you yes. know, we all feel really bad sometimes, and people feel way worse than I've ever felt. And and I understand that. But there's a there's an element of it that's just not rocket science, mm-hmm. you know. But you just no one tells you, and yeah. and you, like unless someone tells you, it's there's a lot of very simple things you can do in your life that that yeah. kind of keep you on a much more even keel. And you know, yes, you're going to have sad days, down days, but it's um. I don't have too many of those and I think I'm pretty good at getting myself back out of them again in the end. My wife might tell you it takes a bit too long sometimes but, you know, we get there and and we do things. Um, Yeah. And it's important to know that, you know, Mm. you do come out the other side. Sometimes it might take a bit longer than the time before that but there's always an up. Shopping, I was was the world's worst shopper. Like if I was a bit down, I'd shop. Mm. Like really, and not in a, not in a, to it was a problem way but you know I'd be I wouldn't even notice I was doing it but I'm almost embarrassed to admit this in a small country town of uh, tough tradism farm men and things like that but I've I ended up with like 40 pairs of trainers mm. <laughs> which a is, lot of walking <laughs> a lot of walking I've still got two pairs I haven't worn yet <laughs> but that was my and I, I didn't used to go and buy $200 pair of trainers my excitement was coming from finding that 200 pair of dollar trainers for 40 bucks yeah. and, and doing that so I wasn't spending masses of money but I love buying clothes and shoes and things like that and to the point where I've now and it wasn't a new year's resolution but towards the end of last year my current goal for this year is to not buy any clothes or shoes this year I feel that's the whole my goal year. too yeah. except trainers are on my list I'm allowed to buy them right so I've got I'm allowed if I need anything has to come from an op shop, so it's got to be sustainable. Same. Yep. Same. Or buy, swap, sell. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Just second, <laughs> got to be used or whatever. Yeah. And but also underwear, I'm allowed well, to buy yeah, underwear. Yeah. <laughs> underwear and gym wear. If I do get back to the gym, I'm not wearing second-hand gym wear. But, but yeah, no, that's it. But it's, isn't that funny? Like, But I think I'm actually enjoying the thrill of not, like, oh, the kids just laugh at me. I go, done five months. That's, oh my gosh, you sound like anything. me. Yeah. And the kids are going, Dad, that's not like really cool. That's just you, you're shopping too much before. But I think like having having goals, you know, have a goal. Set yourself a stupid goal like that. Yeah. Probably go nuts next year and I oh know, I was only thinking that as well. Wait. Is that what's gonna but happen? But I was actually thinking about the other thing. I was thinking, I don't know whether I will actually. I actually think I've kind of broken that habit and I'm almost end up getting a bit obsessed about going the other way and I'll refuse to buy anything other than out-of-op shops. And <laughs> well, my sister did this, I think, two years ago. It could have been last year, I could be wrong, where she actually purged her her wardrobe down to 20 items, yep. I think it was. So very much one of those time capsule type wardrobes. Yep. And um, she was like, if anything comes in, something goes out. So there's no more than this amount of items in the cupboard mm. but I think the year before that it was no new items at all and yeah. it, they could only come from op shops so the same sort of thing so 
That you guys might be future. down to yeah. 20 pieces <laughs> next year. We <laughs> might take I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. It takes me about three years to get through. I don't <laughs> do enough washing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you could live for a year from your wardrobe. <laughs> I feel like we've just gone from really cerebral, highbrow... <laughs> Discussion to <laughs> just talking about shopping and buying clothes and stuff. But it's all whatever part of makes it. you happy. But like, also, yeah. like it does bring up that like people shop to fill a void. Yeah. Mm. And um, instant gratification. Yes. It's like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. When I first it I moved from Adelaide to Cow, and I always had an eBay package coming. Yeah. Always, I just had this new obsession where I just had to have things coming. Again, like they weren't expensive, but you know. Do we need those little bits of crap? Like it was just filling a void for me because I'd moved from the city to a small town and I look back on that and think, yeah, that was really not necessary. But I guess it's a type of therapy and is it a good therapy? Not really. No, it's not not a healthy one. And I think that's probably – it took took me a while to realise that. But I think it's – we'll get there in the end. But I think it's – yeah, I think it's cool, and I've and I do fill my life with other things now. I think like like you guys probably do. You know, you do do a lot of voluntary work and work in the community and gardening and all of those things. Mm. I think my wife's worried that I spend more money on plants now than I ever did <laughs> um, on shoes. But yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> we can relate to that. <laughs> I did want to quote a wise woman, Janet Jackson, yes. who said, "The best things in life are free." Yes. Um, <laughs> But really, you know, talking about shopping therapy and and whatever, the best therapies are generally getting into nature yeah. and and yeah. doing things that are free or conversations with your mates, yeah. or whatever. Oh, they're yeah. free. Yeah. All those things that actually don't cost anything. Are nah. Well, and I was powerful. I was spending a lot of money on plants as well, and now I'm trying to learn to propagate. Yes, I've been doing that. Yeah, that is so exciting when you see something. It's exciting for me. This yeah. podcast not for has just everybody. taken a whole weird <laughs> turn into it's a different direction. It is, but <laughs> quoting Janet Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> it's all relevant. Propagation is the answer. <laughs> but it but does it that, give you a sense of satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah, like, 100%. okay, where you were spending a lot of money and going, mm. okay, this is very beautiful and it does make me happy. Like, how minutes. can I do this in a more sustainable way? Yeah. And I think we're coming into a like change in the world where yeah. people do want to be more sustainable. Yeah. So oh, I think it, I, mean, I know our family. We're really trying hard with that now. You know, yeah. we're composting and we're, yeah. you know it, everything, recycling as much as we can, and uh, eating less meat at the moment. Like trying to eat a bit less meat and things like that. Which again, probably shouldn't say in farming communities, but yeah. so, <laughs> but you know, like just doing Look our after bit. The yeah, yeah, mm. just trying a bit harder and trying to buy sustainable clothes when the when we do buy clothes and kids are hot on fast fashion and all of those things at the moment so that's uh, pretty proud that the kids are starting to think like that i think we've got to truly though it is all relative like all the sustainability nature connecting with yourself like it all plays a bigger part of being mentally fit yes yeah and that, like, as you said earlier they're the things we should be grateful for really you know all that other stuff is just fluff and nonsense mm. really you know yeah. that, that's the that's the stuff that we should be grateful for yeah Absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure having yeah, you. Yeah, well, it has. It was a bit of a weird way to end, wasn't it? Talking <laughs> about gardening and propagating, and I hope no, someone's I, taken something from I this. I think but. it's great. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of people that they get their happiness from all sorts of things. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it's it's definitely not a bad thing Whatever to. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
and different, you know, different things are for different people and that's cool. Absolutely. And that's what this is all about is, mm. you know, yep. there's going to be someone that's like, ooh, propagation, I wonder what that is. Oh, I'll be able to contact those guys <laughs> yeah, and find send out us what a message to do. if you want oh, to know. Please don't contact <laughs> These me. guys are gurus. <laughs> I haven't nailed it yet. <laughs> no, I haven't really either. But we can we can point you in the right direction. Maybe people will contact us to give tips. <laughs> oh, that, any tips? Very welcome. Yes. Yeah, we'll take those. Hey, no, look, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. It was good fun. Thank Very you. Good fun. Yeah, it's been awesome. And I just feel like there's so many people out there that will hear what you had to say and relate. I hope so. Mm. Yeah, I think that's what it's all about. I think it's, it just needs normalising a bit. I think all of the way we nothing embarrassing about feeling anxious sometimes. Nothing, you know, it's uh, just got to get on with it and do what you want. It, like as we just said, do what works for you. Yeah. You know? But I think gratitude and mindfulness are really good places to start. Absolutely, love it, love it. Awesome. Thanks again. Thank you. You've been a champ. Thank you for listening to Mentally Fit EP and Me. We take this moment to acknowledge those who have suffered from mental health challenges and those who have experienced the loss of someone they love due to suicide. If this episode has raised any concern, please reach out to someone you trust or call Lifeline on 13 11 14, Regional Access SA on 1300 032 186 or Suicide Callback Service on 1300 659 467. Thank you to Mentally Fit EP, West Coast Youth and Community Support and Country SA PHN for making this podcast a reality. Thank you to Soundright Studios for technical support and Joshy Willow for our groovy theme tune. You can find us at Mentally Fit EP on Facebook and remember, mental health is everyone's business.